Lord, and I thank you for this day. And I thank you for this hour that we've moved into. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for this outpouring of the Spirit of God that has taken place in our life. Lord, and we take authority over every hindering force in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we release the power in the anointing of God. And thank you, Lord, as I speak tonight, I will speak as the oracles of God and minister with the ability only which you can give. Father, I thank you, Lord, for not only revelation and illustration of your word, but Father, I thank you for impartations of the Holy Ghost in each of our lives that will cause us to live out the reality of the Word of God so that we'll be the success that you called us to be. And in Jesus' name, we give you the glory, the honor and praise for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming out this evening. I'm glad to be here with you. How about you? You glad to be here? Is that all right? I'm glad to be here. You're glad to be here. And God is on our side. We live in a time, remember this, that the Lord said to me, that 2007 there would be a visitation from heaven. And so we know a visitation from heaven in this sense, and the definition of that is the glory of God would visit the church. I've made the statement to, uh, over several months now, and over a while now in my travels, not only here but in, in some other countries that I've been in. And I've just said to the Lord, Lord, if we don't have a move, a special move of God, If God does not visit the church in a special way, the church is in a heap of trouble as a whole around the world because there seems to be a a lack of commitment, a lack of zeal. It seems like, in one sense of speaking, it seems like the devil's winning, but we know he's not because we've got the written word of God. And we're going to come out on top in the name of Jesus. But I also understand and I also know that the things of God don't happen just because they're supposed to happen. We've got to cooperate with God, and that's what the Lord has been dealing with me about this afternoon and evening and even here while I was here at church and praying and meditating. I constantly kind of keep dead. Hey, you used to call it, you know, keep your spiritual antenna up and and say, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Because there's all kinds of things you could say and all kinds of things that you could do and preach on because, you know, of just knowing certain subject material from the Bible from over the years of preaching. But I always want to zero in on what the Holy Ghost has to say for this particular hour, this particular day. Now, I've got the title, but I don't know exactly what all I'm going to say from the title. But this is what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Now, it might concern you that I don't have the rest of it, but, but uh, I've just learned just to yield to this and just let it go and just let it flow. Brother Hagin, Dad Hagin sat down and put his arm around me for 45 minutes and said, if I didn't learn to yield to this, I wouldn't be as effective as I should. But I've got the title for the message. Three things every person must know to live in the glory of God. Three things that every person must know to live in the glory of God. Three things that every person must know to live in the glory of God. So what have I got to do? I've got to find out what they are myself. But... uh, There's three things that God wants us to know and understand to live in God's glory. And when I say glory, I mean a successful Christian life. Yes, we want to live in the glory of God. And when we think of God's glory, we we think of just sometimes just a spectacular manifestation, uh, uh, you know, an event that may happen at a church service or a one-time event every now and then here and there. But God just don't want us to have events He wants us to live continually. He wants us to live continually in the glory 
where the blessings of God are in a continual flow in our life. God wants us to be blessed above all people groups on the face of this earth. We are the children of God. And if you're a male, you are a son of God. If you are a female, we had to point this out today, you know what I mean? If you are a female, you're a daughter of God. And we're just careful you know, about making that clear just to make sure we don't get all this all mixed up. But uh, if we are God's children, and certainly we are, then God wants us to live in success in every area. He wants us to live in the glory of God. So the first thing, thank you Lord, the first thing that we got to know and understand if we're going to have continual glory in our life, number one, you must pattern your life after the Father God. Number one, you must pattern your life after the Father God. What I mean by that, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and we know Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. He said He was Emmanuel, God with us, God manifested in the flesh. So Jesus Christ was what? He was a prototype of every Christian that was God's plan for every person that would be called a Christian, that would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God with us, God manifested in the flesh, He was the prototype, He was the one that God planned, and we can look at Him and look at the way He walked and what He done while He was here on earth, and we can pattern our lives after Him, and then we can live in continual glory. And so the question would come up, did Jesus live in the glory? Did Jesus live in the power? Did Jesus live in the anointing? And another question is this, did Jesus ever have a need that would not be met? Did anybody he ever meet have a need that he could not meet? Remember when he fed the multitude with a few little fishes and some bread? You know, he asked the disciples, you know, what are we going to do? Which way do we go? And he said, give them something to eat. And they said, Lord, we counted our pennies here, so to speak, and we don't have enough pennies to go down there and buy enough bread for these people. And he said, what you got? And they told him. He said, bring it to me. And you know what he done? He took what he had or took what was available instead of sitting there saying that I can't and there's no way, there's no way for this to happen, what he done is he decided that God was big enough, God the Father was big enough to cause God the Son to be able to help those people that were in need. And he said, bring it to me. He prayed over it, blessed it, and then started breaking the bread. And every time he'd pull a piece off, another piece would pop back up there. said, Brother Randy, where'd it come from? Don't know, keep it coming. That's all I can tell you. I mean, the bread would pop off and then the fish. You know, it's had a few fishes. He'd pull some of the fish off and boom, there was some more be there. Said, where did it come from? Don't know. Keep it coming. So we know this. We must pattern our life in, in an attitude of abundance. You know, most of us have been programmed for failure. Most of us grow up in a society that's programmed us not to believe for the supernatural. And that hinders us from fully walking in the glory, fully walking in abundance, and there's much that we must unlearn and things that we need to relearn to walk in the power and the anointing of God. But we must pattern our life after God. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Might as well start in the front of the Bible and preach in every chapter till we get to the back. Isn't that right? 
But Genesis chapter 1. So what are we going to do? If we are going to, what's the title of the message? Three things. What was the first one? Pattern your life after the Father God. What's number two? (laughs) Oh, we hadn't got there? I thought y'all was going to help me. We'll keep it coming. It'll come. This is the best kind of messages for me because I can't mess them up. (laughs) Because I didn't think them up. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, let's read that scripture and look at it. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Notice it said, In the beginning God created. There may be some things in your life that need a new beginning. There may be some things in your life that are lying dormant. There may be some things all around you that you want to see change, and so you need a new beginning in your life. But notice it says, In the beginning God created. There were some things that he wanted to see change and things he wanted to see come to pass, such as we know by reading this is the account of creation. We know how he formed the heavens and the earth and everything that therein is because it gives us that account right here in Genesis chapter 1 and over to Genesis chapter 2. And of course we know it finally gets to the fall of man, but we're not going to talk about that part. What we're talking about is patterning our life after the Father God so that we live in continual glory, continual success. I don't believe God just wants us to be what I would call a shooting star. You know, just one blaze of glory and we go out in a flame and it's over with, you know. God, I believe, wants us to live on a continual success going from glory to glory to glory in God. But I know this in the beginning in my childhood coming up uh, that there were things that was hindering me from believing God. In fact, I was the first one in our entire family that I'm aware of. Now, we had some hooks and crooks besides me. So I'm not uh, familiar with all my family, you know, and some of them don't claim me and we don't claim some of them. You know what I mean? It's just we don't know. You know, our kinfolk got tangled up in the swamps. We all come out kins, all I know, over in Georgia. I mean, that's... That's just kind of the way it was. But, but uh, you know, where I come from, I come from a, a, a family and had a good daddy and a good mama that loved me, you know. But my daddy, you know, he, he was a good Pentecostal preacher. I preached his funeral. I tell you the way my daddy went to heaven. He believed in God and, and he just made the decision that he got ready. The Lord showed him that his mission on earth was accomplished. And, uh, in fact, the Lord had showed me the same thing. He had had an accident. And he'd always been healthy and vibrant and going and everything, but he broke his back in three places. And they'd take him to Emory University in Atlanta, and they said he'd never survive all that, but I knew he would. And I told him, I said, Daddy, i got a hope to you. He said, I know it, son. He said, we're going to take some big prayers in this. I said, I know, but just hang on. I said, we're going to bring you through this, and everything's going to be fine. So I had a hope to him, and I wouldn't let him go. And, uh, of course, my mother is, is a spiritual lady, but she, she didn't know a whole lot about spiritual authority. He said, how does this got to do with walking into glory? Well, there's things that we, we, we follow God in and the Holy Ghost in, and we are successful by following Him. But I remember as my dad was lying there in the hospital, I went to Winter Seminar that year. It's been several years ago, about five now, maybe six. And while I was there at Winter Seminar, Dr. Kenneth e. Hagin was still, of course, around then before he moved to heaven and left us here. We'll have to talk to him about that, by the way. But anyway, he left us here and moved to the other side. But I remember as I was sitting there, Hagen stopped. He said, y'all mind me taking a side journey? You remember how you would do that? 
He said, well, I'm going to take one anyway. He said, now, this don't fit with anything I'm saying, but somebody needs to hear this. He said, there's a, such a thing as the jaws of death and the gates of death. He said, you can drag somebody's life out on earth, uh, you know, and make them go through the jaws of death and cause heartache and trouble for the entire family, traumatize the family, a very dramatic time or people going through pain and everything. He said, or you can release people, let them go on to heaven like they're supposed to. It's time for them to go. And he said, just let them go through the gates. And I knew exactly who he was talking to. He was talking to me. I had a hold to my daddy. And so I started praying about it. And I said, Lord, I, I, just, I don't think it's time for him to go. You know, he's uh, 69 years old. I said, Lord, don't take it time. Is you sure it's time for him to go? He said, yes, son. He said, it's time for him to go. He said, he's finished what I can do with him on the earth now. He's made the choice that he wants to come and be with me in heaven. And he said, I want you to go and release him and tell him it's okay for him to come home. So I went back to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. When after this was over, I, I talked to my mother first to the side, a lot of family members up there, brothers and sisters, and they didn't understand all about holding on to somebody in the spirit, holding on to a person's spirit, you know. But you can do that. My mother kind of had a hold to him. My brothers did to an extent, but they didn't understand. But I told mother, I said, Mother, I said, the Lord showed me that Daddy is going to be with Jesus. And I said, I'm, I'm about to go in the room in there, and I'm going to talk to him. And I said, I'm going to release him, and I'm going to let him go. And she started crying. No, don't. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. I said, well, Mother, I said, it's the best thing. I said, there's a, such a thing as the jaws of death and the gates of death. Now, what I was doing in this situation is I was patterning myself after the ways of God. Now, my natural flesh and my natural solical realm didn't want to let my daddy go. And then when I saw my mother, then I didn't want to let him go either for my mother's sake. You know, because he was a, a tower of support for my mother. But I also knew that everything would work out fine, that God would take care of my mother and, and, and everything would be fine. Us older boys could take care of her. Daddy didn't have debts or nothing. She was going to be blessed. And when a thing come, I mean, Daddy didn't have much, but, you know, she wouldn't be left with nothing, you know, and, and have things. And so I walked in the hospital room. My mother said, I'll go in there with you. She said, but, but I ain't going to let him go. And I said, okay. I said, you don't have to. I said, but I'm just going to go let him go. And of course, he was unconscious then. In fact, the doctor said that, you know, he wouldn't live through the night. But I just sensed in my spirit it would not be right away because my daddy was a fighter. You know what I mean? When he made up his mind to do something, get up. I've seen him move a house by himself with people laughing at him and telling him he couldn't do it. I've seen him take 32 trusses, 32 of them, that was 40 foot long, put them on top of a Chevy Love pickup truck. You know how big that is? by himself, with a ladder rack, with people laughing on him, laughing at him and telling him it could not be done and hauling him down the road to the job. My daddy's hard-headed. When he made up his mind to do something, he'd done it. You know what I mean? And that could be good and bad. So I went in there and, of course, I was crying. You know, I didn't want to let him go from the natural side. But I knew it was God's pattern. It was God's plan. And if I was going to pattern myself after what God wanted me to do, then I must yield myself to God. So pattern yourself after God. In one sense of speaking, number one under that or A under that is learning to be led of the Holy Ghost. Don't make decisions based on natural choices. 
Because if you get to making decisions based on natural choices, uh, then you're going to come out on the wrong side every time. Because sometimes the way God leads you in life is not the natural way that you would choose to go. And not every place that God would lead you in that you can always see the end of your journey. And I know it's human nature and it's fleshly nature and it's the solical realm that we want to know everything before it's happened, especially if you're the personality type that wants to plan everything out in advance. In fact, Miss Lynette Hagen, you know, she's, she said this, she's a planner. We need planners because they keep us straight, you know. I can tell you where I want to go, but somebody else has got to kind of put the steps in it, you know. How are we going to get there? And that's fine. You know, it's like me. I say, let's go get the devil. And my wife says, wait a minute, where's he at first? Well, I just thought we'll just find him somewhere. You know, we'll just keep running around till we run into him. And so we need those personality types, you know, and people that will help us to, to make plans. But at the same time, you can't get so plan-oriented with your goals and your ideas that you lose focus that the Spirit of God can lead you in a direction that may not be naturally the way you would choose to go. So in this situation with my daddy, I'm still talking about patterning yourself after God, learning to be led of the Holy Ghost. Let Him lead you. I sensed that that was God speaking to me there. I sensed that if He wouldn't speak to anybody else in the building, He was speaking to me. So I released my daddy with tears running down my cheeks, and I said, Daddy, it's okay. You can go. The Lord had shown me He had lived His life out. He had been a minister of the gospel, and that He had done what God said do. And there was a reason that He went home early. I said, there was a reason. I said, there was a reason. Do you want to know the reason? You do? Well, not only did he want to go, but at the same time, he kind of got out of the will of God at the last part of his life because God had called him to preach the gospel and he had kind of laid it to the side. And it wasn't God. God didn't hurt my daddy. And God don't hurt people. But what happened is the devil laid a trap for my daddy and my daddy walked in that trap. Now, I'm not knocking my daddy because I've walked in some devil traps myself. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm making wrong decisions and wrong choices, so I, I don't condemn. But I knew under the circumstances, the Lord saw it all. I didn't see the whole picture. And sometimes in our own human thinking, we can't see the whole picture, but God can. And so if you'll just learn to trust Him, being led of the Spirit sometimes is an area of trust. So you don't know, it just don't look right. In the natural, it may not even feel right. And your mind is questioning, but if you'll just take that step and just trust God to look at the big picture, He can see everything. And He knows what's best. So, I'll let Him go. And my daddy went home. He made the decision. He'd come through all the surgeries, just like I thought he would, because he's a fighter. Come out the other side. And then they had moved him from Emory University Hospital in Atlanta back to Columbus, Georgia, which was our hometown. And they put him in what they call rehab. In rehab, because he had to get his motor skills back. You know, because you break your back and you have all them surgeries, learn to talk. And, and he just wasn't one. To, he didn't want to cooperate. We would go over there and try to get Daddy. And walk him down the hall. He wouldn't even participate. I'd just carry him. Daddy was a little man. And they remember my Daddy over here. But uh, uh, Lisa and Mike do. They met him, I believe. Yeah, you met him. And I just grabbed Daddy. I was big, you know. My granddaddy was six foot eight, six foot nine, you know. And Daddy, he's a little short fella. And so us boys, you would just grow up and grab him and say, "Daddy, walk." He wouldn't walk, so we'd drag him. You know what I mean? Because we wanted Daddy to walk. Because he'd always, you know, anything. And long as Daddy was alive, any boy, any child, and I'll guarantee you, we didn't care whether that we'd run at him full speed because we knew if our Daddy was behind us, brother, we ain't gonna be in no trouble. Daddy'd be right. It didn't matter where I was at. 
And I can even tell this story because they can't arrest him now. When I got on escape from prison, they can't arrest him. They won't dig him up, put him in jail, will they? He's on Park Hill Cemetery in Columbus, Georgia. His physical remains are, whatever that's there, you know. But my daddy, I called him. I remember when I escaped from prison. I called on the phone because I had nowhere else to go. And, of course, I was messed up and goofed up, but Daddy and Mom was praying for me. And I said, Daddy, he said, what is it, son? I said, I need some help. I said, I broke my foot escaping. And I said, I've been, I don't know if I've been shot or what. I can't tell. I said, because bullets were flying. I said, I need some help. He said, don't tell me no more. He said, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. He said, I woke up with a vision. I told Francis, that's my mama. He said, he said I told Francis. He said, that boy come out of prison. And he said, in the wee hours of the morning. And he said, he's going to call me. And he said, we're going to go get him. And Daddy came and got me. And he came and got me not more than once. He came me a lot. You know, he called. <laughs> he had this weird idea about prison. Daddy said it was the devil's den. You know, <laughs> that's what he said. But anyway, he saw me leaping out of this second story. Many of you know the story. If you don't, it's back there on DVD and, and take book, whatever. There's something back there that tells the whole story. But my daddy saw that, and he saw me getting hurt, and he saw that me, him and my mother would have to come get me, which was in another state from where they were at, and they did come get me. He showed up there. But my daddy was one to follow God, but he told mother that one night when she was leaving the rehab center, because they wouldn't let her stay around the clock. They let her stay in a hospital around the clock, but in rehab, they wouldn't. She had to go home at a certain time because they work with different patients at different hours and things like that. But anyway, he told mother. He said, I saw uh, my daddy, which I call him Papa Greer. He went to be with Jesus when I was about 10. And then he said, I saw Mama Mert. That's my mother's mother. And I released her years earlier before I did my daddy. I went and sat down and talked to her. We called her Mama Mert. She's about four foot 11, but she could beat the devil out of you with a frying pan. I guarantee you. <laughs> she was just out of the old school. You know what I mean? Of course, she never did whoop us enough. I'll tell you the truth about it. But she had threatened us and everything. She actually was too good to us, to be honest with you. Blessed. But, but uh, I let my grandmama go, too, because I saw it in the spirit. I saw it two years before she was going to go. She's going to go. I just saw that. And I went and sat down and talked to her. I said, Mama, what do you want to do? That's what we called her, Mama. I said, Mama, what do you want to do? She started crying. She said, well, everybody wants me to stay. She said, but I want to go. And my mother was sitting there, and she started crying. Mama, we don't want you to go. And I said, Mother... I said, I know you're emotionally attached to your mother here. And I said, I am too. And I said, she half raised me. She did. And when mother got after me, I'd run mama, you know, grandmama, you know. And uh, I said, but we're going to let her go. And, of course, she did go. My daddy saw her. He saw into the spirit realm. And he said, they are going to meet me in the morning. And he said, I'm going home. And mother thought that maybe my daddy was just incoherent. But about 2 o'clock in the morning, according to the testimony of the nurses, because I was there. In fact, I was going to be leaving that uh, next morning. That was on a Friday night. And the next morning, I was going to be leaving to go up to Concord, North Carolina, and start a meeting for Pastor Jim Howard. I think you're familiar with him too. Pastor Jim Howard. But about 4 o'clock in the morning, I got a call. It was my mother saying, your daddy's passed away. Oh, she's just squalling, you know. And so I said, all right, everything's going to be fine. So I... I jumped up, went down there, and the nurses met me. Said she knew that I was a preacher, and they called me to the side. She said, I want to tell you something that's going to help you. I said, well, tell me. She said, I don't, you know, she said, your daddy was a Christian man. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, this is how your daddy went to heaven. She said, at about 2 o'clock this morning, she said, he sat up in the bed, 
Now, he hadn't been able to really set up a lot by himself without help, you know, because you had to teach him how to do all that. So he just set up in bed, just like he was normal, in the bed, in this rehab center. And he started singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. He never could sing. He couldn't carry a tune in number three washed up. But he just loved to try. You know what I mean? He was always a singing. He couldn't play the guitar. And I'd come up behind him and I learned how to do it. And I'd play for daddy while he tried to sing. And I remember when he used to preach in the tents. We used to have those record players. Now we got the CDs. We used to have them record players with them, you know, long play. What was that, 38? You put it on 38 and 45. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah I know you do. 78 and 30 what? 33, and then they had some 45s after a while, didn't they? But anyway, we, I'd go with Daddy when I was a kid, and I'd, I'd put the record on, you know, and it would get scratched, ding, you know, and get stuck, and I'd have to go over there and whop, you know, <laughs> and, and get it loosened. And while Daddy was trying to lead the singing in the tent, and this God would show up, and he'd just fall out in the spirit, the glory of God would come all over him, and he'd have visitations from heaven, had a sixth-grade education. But he set up in that bed. He started singing Amazing Grace. Then he said he would stop, and he'd start singing that chorus, Hallelujah. And the nurses said it got so happy. He said it was just like beaming with joy. He said, we left all the nurses on the rotation and heard him singing. And went down there and said, Mr. Greer, said, why are you so happy? He said, just sing with me. He said, I'm going home. They thought he meant that he thought he was going home and he was incoherent like my mother. But he'd done told my mother the night before that Grandpa, or Papa Greer we called him, and Mama Mert, which is we call my grandmother Mama, was coming back to meet him. And, of course, he was going home. And he just sang. They said he sang that way. We sang with him for about an hour. She said, the glory of God. We're talking about the glory. She said, the glory of God filled the room. You know, you can sing the glory down. I said, you can sing the glory down. If you worship God and you praise God in your darkest hour, just sing the glory down on yourself. Just praise God. Just out of your spirit. You say, Brother Randy, I don't have no music. I don't know how to play an instrument. Well, just give him your voice and just sing the glory down. My daddy sang the glory down because the nurses testified to me about it. To the glory of God was all over your daddy, honey. I said, well, tell me some more. She said, well, we, we had to go about our, our chores and our duties. She said, so we couldn't stay in there about an hour. And said, but we left him. He said, after about two hours, we noticed, you know, way down the other end of the hall, we noticed we didn't hear Mr. Greer no more, and we figured he went to sleep. So finally, I sent somebody, the head nurse said, I sent somebody back up there to check on him, and guess what? He said, he was gone. He sang his way into glory. I'm here to tell you, the angels of God escorted him. Y'all fool with me, we'll get up a load tonight. I'm here to tell you, what was daddy doing? He was patterning himself after God and he knew and he saw that he was supposed to go and he was being led by the Holy Ghost to do what he was doing and he sang his way into glory. You need to have the glory of God. I'm here to tell you, heaven is real, ladies and gentlemen. There's a real heaven. There's real angels. There's a real Holy Ghost. There's a real Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm going to preach a sermon before long. It's called, uh, With a Real Holy Ghost. Please stand up. <laughs> Y'all remember that? To tell the truth? Y'all remember that? To tell the truth and then have different people acting. Well, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of people that saying the Holy Ghost is a certain thing or a certain way, and I know it ain't, and I'm going to preach a sermon one day called, With a Real Holy Ghost. Please stand up. And just talk about who He really is. 
But there is a place that God wants you and I to live in the glory, to live in the anointing. But at the same time, there is real devils that don't want you and I to move into everything that God has for us. But I've got news for the devil, and I've got good news for you, or even better news for you, is that the devil has been defeated. But notice here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what was our point one? Huh? Pattern your life after God, and A under that was what? Learn to be led of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? You want to learn to be led. When you pattern yourself after God, in fact, you can just stay right there for a long time, but you learn to be led of the Holy Spirit. When you're following God, yes, you've, number one, follow the written Word. That's what you do. This is the first and foremost place. And anything that God speaks to you must line up with the Word. And if it doesn't line up with the Word, just throw it aside as a bunch of bunk and junk or either the turnip greens was not greasy enough for you when you ate them. You know what I'm talking about? Collards and turnips will hurt you, I'm here to tell you. Now, they don't know what this is. And out in Oklahoma, they don't even know what a boiled peanut is. The church here, she made sure I didn't eat Patty's peanuts before I got home. <laughs> Pastor Susan did. Now, don't eat Patty's peanuts, you know, because out, you, you know, out there, they don't know what boiled peanuts is. I mean, you talk about boiled peanuts, they think you fell off the moon somewhere and hit your head on the earth. I mean, they don't know what it is. No, they don't know what's good. And we, you know, Pastor Steve Millinder, you know, I'm familiar with him. He's out from up yonder, you know, West, we gave him some peanuts and he ate the shell and all. <laughs> He's out of Pennsylvania. He said, man, I don't know how y'all eat them things. I said, you don't eat the holes, man. You just crack them open in your mouth and break, get the peanut out and throw the hole away. But he was eating every bit of them. He wanted to be brave, you know. And then I remember old Pastor Chris DeMarc. Y'all remember him, Pastor Chris DeMarc. He's out of uh, the inner city of uh, Pittsburgh. He had never seen a cotton ball in his life. And so he come down to one of our meetings in Georgia and I took him down to our property that we got out there, big, you know, 240 acres of property. We still have that, working towards that. And it was a big cotton field. I remember he jumped out of that truck. I was in one of the four-wheel drive trucks. So I get back in there good, you know. He jumped out of that truck and just started running across that cotton field. Oh, cotton is real. Cotton is real. Cotton is real. Because he just grew up in the asphalt jungle. He, you know, he, he never seen a field in his life. It was commonplace to some of us. You know, and I remember he pulled them cotton balls. He still got them now, and they're trophies sitting up there in his office. He's telling people there is such a thing as a cotton field. Well, we need to pattern ourselves after God, and A under that, how? By learning to be led of the Holy Ghost. Wherever God leads you, just follow Him. He says, in the beginning, is that what we was reading? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what happened? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God will move in your circumstances if you will follow Him. God will show you what to do. Let me tell you about another experience, about uh, my family and our ministry patterning ourselves after God and following after Him. It was in February of last year, which is, uh, well, actually, it's, it'll be what, a, a week from now, Winter Bible Seminar, that uh, uh, a week ahead of, uh, from now, yeah, a week from now, or a week ahead, or something anyway, this month, huh? How many? 51 weeks ago. 
Hallelujah. I, I got an expert here in the audience with us. 51 weeks ago, yes, which was last year in February, we was going to Winter Bible Seminar. Now, in the 1st of February, our going to Winter Bible Seminar, if you recall, back on the United States, about the middle of the United States, on back that way, there was an ice storm. We got caught in ice storms, had to stop and get there a day later and just all kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, we got... If you'd ask us when we was going there, if we was going to move to Broken Air, Oklahoma, we would have laughed. We would have told you no. But we're talking about patterning yourself after God. How? By learning to be led of the Holy Ghost. Because the glory of God, the blessings of God, and the anointing of God is learning to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by your head. My wife, Patty, she said to tell everybody hello. Hello. But uh, my wife, Patty, had already made the decision and choice that we're not going to move. This is the house right here. She finally got her house kind of like she wanted it. Had a nice home. Had two little lakes, you know, in the back. And just, just things like that. It's kind of stuff we'd worked up to over the years. It wasn't something that we just grew into automatically, you know. And she got her all of her stuff like she wanted, kind of fixed up. And she had always said, said, I'm going to be right here unless Jesus comes gets me because she's a homebody, you know. And Jesus comes gets me, you know, in the rapture. We're going to live right here, and we ain't going to move. I'm not going to move no more. You hear me? I'm not going to move no more. She's not going to move no more. All the time that she's saying this to me, and she's telling this to me, I'm shaking my head that I hear her, but in my spirit I'm saying, yeah, but I know you are. I know you are. I just didn't tell her. Sometimes, men, you've learned by now, it's best not to say everything you know. <laughs> just keep some of it in. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to deal with her. I said, you're going to have to speak to her. Because I knew when we moved in that house, I saw the house I live in now. I said, I saw the house I live in right now. I saw that six years before I moved there. I saw that house. And just a vision, just like that as I was praying. Because I thought, man, we've arrived now. We've come to where we're supposed to be. But no, I saw that other house. And I knew that when we was buying the house. But God told me to buy the house. He said, you buy this house. In fact, I was going to buy another house that was in the same area, built by the same contractor. But I was up at uh, Bob Palmer's. We were talking about Brother Bob Palmer up in Pensacola, New Jersey. I was up there preaching in a camp meeting. And uh, I was up there praying. I remember in a hotel room. And the Lord said these words, just as clear. I'm still talking about being led to the Spirit of God. The Lord said, don't buy the house that you're going to sign that contract on when you get back. Because we'd had it cleared. When I got back on a Saturday, I was going to get back late on a Friday flying back in, and then Saturday morning about 10 o'clock was going to meet the contractor, sign the papers, and, you know, and get the deal rolling and everything. The Lord said, don't, don't buy that house. I said, why, Lord? He said, because i got something better for you, and it's going to help you in the future. That's what he told me. He said, i got something better for you, and it's going to help you in the future. Well, I didn't know what was going to help me in the future. I had no idea. If I did not live where I was living, I would have had a supernatural problem trying to sell my house. Because the housing market had busted in our area. I mean, it, people, at, contractors had overbuilt, uh, all kinds of things, and it's just so many houses on the market. But this particular house, we didn't even look at this house, the one we wound up buying. We didn't even look at it because it was too large and I thought it was too much money. You know what I mean? That, that's what I meant by too large. Too much money. <laughs> woo Lord Jesus. You know, I'm a faith man, but that's woo-wee. You know, I, I, I can't do this. I, you know, my natural mind. But the Lord said, you buy that house, son. He said, it's going to be a blessing to you now and it's going to be a blessing to you in the future. 
Well, I didn't know all of what he said, but I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Pattern your life after God. In the natural, I would have never done it. But I had a word from God to take this step. At the same time, my brother, my brother, brother, brother Scott, my brother, God spoke to him about buying a house. And it was a house, it was big. And it was a pretty big house. And it would stretch him way beyond where he had ever been financially before. But he would come and talk to me about it. And, and he and I prayed about it. Because we, we talked, I didn't pray about things. And I said, Scott, I said, I know it seems, I know it seems like it's stretching you. And I, and I said, I know it's way beyond anything you ever dreamed. And it was. It was way beyond. I mean, it was on over five acres. had its own private lake. On the property, fenced in. I mean, just supernatural. And brand new home. Big old thing, you know. About 4,000 square feet. It was way bigger than he'd ever had. I'll guarantee anything. And so I said, uh, I don't know, but I said, it seems like to me that God's trying to stretch your faith. I said, it's not about the house. It's about you learning to believe God. That's all it is. It's not about the house. It's not about things. And a lot of times where God leads people, it's not about the thing they're obtaining, but it's about them getting their faith rolling so that they can grow in their faith. And so... He went out there and got that house. To make a long story short, after about a year and a half, he started talking doom and gloom. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm I wish I'd never done this. I wish I'd never done it. I wish I'd never done that. And finally, I just told him, I wish you'd shut up that doubt and unbelief around me. You know, because I could have said the same thing he was saying. But finally, he asked me, he said, what do you think about it? Well, every time he'd ask me what I think about it, I don't know how many times he'd probably ask me a hundred times what I think about it, him trying to sell that house and move somewhere else. You know, and moved down because he didn't moved up. And I, I didn't have nothing. All I could do was, you know, get in the natural with him and give him a solical answer. But that, I don't know, about the hundred and time, thank God for the Holy Ghost, of asking. I remember I was sitting in his truck and he asked me, oh, why don't you tell me what I need to do? Well, when he did, the gifts of the Spirit went into action. I said, hear ye the word of the Lord. I said, you can make a move and you can digress and you can back down, but it'll hinder your ministry and it'll stalemate you from now. You will never do what God called you to do. He sold the house and moved out of it and he stalemated where he's at right now. Are you against your brother? No! But you've got to be led by what? The Holy Spirit. Would later on, God would have done something and, and helped him, but he was trying to get him to grow. It wasn't the house. It wasn't about the house. So where was we at before we got in that story? Huh? We was in a house. Isn't that right? Patty didn't want to move. My wife did not want to go anywhere. We're going to stay right here until Jesus comes. But remember, the Lord told me to buy that house. I was in Pensacola, New Jersey, preaching a meeting. I was going home on a Saturday, get home on a Friday, go home on Saturday, or go over Saturday and find the papers on another house, a, a lot smaller than a house than that, a lot smaller, a lot, everything. But the Lord said, you go buy that house, he said, because it's got something to do with your future, and it's going to be a blessing to you now. And so when Patty said, well, this is it, we've arrived. And when I told her, I come in, and, you know, she talked about, you know, well, we got to go beat the contractor tomorrow to sign the papers on the house. And she's excited and bubbly, you know, she's going to get her a different house and a nicer house than what we were living in at the time. And, uh, and excited, I said, honey, I said, we're not going to buy that house. Oh, her feathers dropped like you'd hit her with a broom. You know what I mean? Bow. Oh, what do you mean we're not going to buy the house? Because she knows if I say it, she ain't going to step out there and do it by herself. I said, no. I said, we're going something better. I said, I'm going to buy you the big house on the hill up there. Her eyes lit up. 
Oh, they got big. She started grinning from ear to ear. Oh, that's God. Oh, that's God. Oh, that. I said, honey, I said, can you stretch your faith that far? She said, can you? I said, I can if you can. I said, if you won't pull away from what I got and won't drag me back and just hang on to my coattail, I said, we'll move into this thing. She said, well, how are we going to do it? I said, well, she said, there's no way in the natural financially we can do this, you know, legally without stealing and robbing. <laughs> and they made me lay my gun down after I got out of prison. So anyway, but we're being led of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about how to have the glory of God in your life. Pattern yourself after God by learning to be led of His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit moved on the face of the waters. Creation took place. And where the Holy Spirit is, there are miracles that's going to happen. When you're led by God, sometimes the Holy Ghost will have you do things, say things, move into things, obtain things that you would have never done without listening to Him. But the problem comes in, there's another side of this message, when people don't listen to the Holy Ghost uh, and go out and make their own plans, uh, and then they go sign the note. Listen, it don't matter if you sign the note, but just make sure God puts His X beside your name. And if God's X is not there, don't sign the note, because you can get in trouble. So I said, the contractor's got to do three things. The Lord has shown me about three things the contractor was going to do in order for us to get in that house. He was going to have to come off his price substantially, change some things about the contract, and change the amount of down payment to, that we were going to have to make to get in this. Because we had equity in our other home, substantial amount, but we was going to take all of that and everything we had to get in this house. So I walked into his office. I remember he looked, y'all remember what Boss Hogg looked like on that program? Who was that? The Dukes of Hazard. Y'all remember Boss Hogg? This guy looks just like Boss Hogg. His name is Mr. Moon. I'm talking about the cigar, whatever, you know. A cigar, a cigarette in his mouth. And he's, we walked in. You remember he had a big fireplace there, you know, and, and he had him a big, uh, I think, a cigarette in his mouth then, not a cigar. And he's all kicked back, this thing, his belly hanging out, you know. And he said, hello there, Preacher Greer. He said, have you come to sign the contract? I said, well, I said I was, Mr. Moon. I said, but we're not going to buy that house. Oh, it was like you'd hit him with a wet broom and three dirty towels. Boom, you know. Oh, his face just dropped. I said, Mr. Moon, I said, I think that we're interested on the big house on the hill up there that, that we didn't even look at. Boy, he jumped up, pushed the chair back, it hit the wall so hard like to knock the hole. He said, I'll make you a deal on that one now, buddy. Just like boss are. And I said, all right, this is what I need to happen for the, by that house. I said, I'll sign a contract on it today if you'll do this, this, and this. He shook his head and scratched what little hairy head up there, you know, and adjusted his bifocals up real good because they done steamed up from all that talk I'm doing, you know. And you talk about a dollar. He squeezes a dollar, brother, I guarantee you. And he finally sat down there. He said, Mr. Greer, he said, uh, called his uh, sister in there. He said, get the papers up on that house and bring me the folder. He said, Mr. Greer's done bought him a house. And so we signed the contract. Now, we went to Winter Seminar. We're talking about pattern yourself after God, A, by following the Holy Ghost. We went to Winter Seminar, and it was 51 weeks ago plus something, whatever. Anyway, it'll be 52 weeks next week. Isn't that right? So 51 plus weeks ago. And we went to Winter Seminar. When we went out there, we would, I would have told you, my wife certainly would have told you, 
that we're not going to move. We're staying right here in Georgia. This is our roots. This is where we've been planted. Our ministry office is here. Everything is here. Everything we know is here. We have properties, other properties besides our home there. Uh, uh, nope, we're not going to leave. But remember, six years earlier, I had already seen us leaving, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to talk to my wife. So if you'd ask us at the beginning of Winter Seminar if we were going to leave, she would have told, I'd have said no because my wife would have killed me if I'd have said anything else. You know what I mean? And so if you want to live and not die, just get in agreement with her. And so I, I, and she would have said no because she had just decided we're going to stay there. But while we was there, the Spirit of God began to move on me right away. And I began to see we're, we're in a transition. There's a transition coming. I began to hear that in my spirit. Transition coming. What are you doing? I'm being led of the Holy Ghost. I'm patterning myself after the Father of God. The Holy Ghost was moving upon me and showing me some things. And so the first thing that happened in the first service we was able to get in, Miss Lynette Hagen called my wife and I out. Was you either in that service? Did y'all get there by then? But it was in the morning service. She called my wife and I out then. And she's beginning to speak, minister to us by the Holy Ghost and say that you saw some things in the Spirit years ago and you thought you had missed God. But no, saith the Lord, you didn't miss God. But there was a time in everything. And the time is now. The season is now. The anointing is now. And you will follow God and you will obey God and move into what He has for you to do. Well, that night, Pastor Hagin comes in, not knowing that Miss Lynette Hagin had ministered to us. And the first thing he done when he got through preaching is he called, I think it was that night, it might have been the next night. It's when the TV Daystar was there anyway. And I remember when he got through preaching, he come straight down off the platform, pointed to me, said, Come here, Brother Randy. And I walked down there, and he said, The Lord told me to tell you, new direction. Well, he didn't know anything about it at all. Well, our, the Lord had already been dealing with me. We're going to make a transition. We're going to make a move. And then we went from there to Sister Billy Brim's meeting in Collinsville, Oklahoma, and Sister Rachel T. Fertiller was there. God supernaturally told us we was headed home a good distance away from there, headed home, and all of a sudden the Lord said to me, turn the radio on 90.5. We normally listen to that. That's Brother David Ingalls' Oasis radio station when we're out there. But we was listening to Dad Hagen's CDs on the authority of the believer. We just got a hold to them there, you know, at that seminar. And my son was sitting up there riding shotgun with me. Gangsters know what I'm talking about. If you're not a gangster, you don't know. But he, he was riding shotgun with me, and he was running the CD. You know, in my vehicle, it's got one of them six-changer CDs, but it's back in there in the back. But it's also got a slot you can slide just one in. And he's running the CD. And I said, son, because I had this unction, again, an intuition, to, to turn on David Ingalls, just a, an urge, a strong urge, turn on David Ingalls right now. And I said, Randall, that's my son's name. I said, Randall, I said, take that and turn it off just a minute and put on Brother David Ingalls. He said, no, Daddy. He said, this is just getting good. He said, let's keep Papa Hagen on here and listen to the authority of the believer. You know? And I said, all right, son, we'll put him right back on. I said, but, but just turn him on. And as soon as he hit the radio button, it was Sister Billy Brown said, I'm having a meeting at Collinsville, Oklahoma. When she said that, the word of the Lord came to me in that car audibly like a voice and said, turn around and go back. Turn around and go back. So what are you doing? I'm being led of the Holy Ghost, patterning myself after the way that God wants me to go and not the way I want to go. Why? Because that's where the glory is going to be for me. And wherever God has patterned for you to be and designated for you to be, you've got to be there if the glory is going to show up in your life. You've got to follow Him. And sometimes following Him is not the way of your natural head. Well, it didn't fit nothing naturally. We're way away from there. We're headed home. Got many things to do. 
But I whirled around to my wife and I said, Honey, I said, I believe I heard the Holy Ghost say, Turn around and go back. I said, We got to go to this meeting for some reason. There's a divine connection that we got there. And so she said, I sense that too. We got to go back. And I said, Randall, what about you? He said, The Holy Ghost said, Go back. He said, We got to go back. So we went, and we finally got back to Collinsville, Oklahoma, which is up 169 north, you know, out of uh, Tulsa. And we're going up there, and I didn't know where the church was. I didn't know how to locate it. We got the phone book, called the, you know, 411-911-711, whatever one one it was, uh, and trying to locate it. We finally got the church number because we knew it was the Glorious Church Fellowship, but we didn't know where it was located. And so what, when we called the church, we got a recording because it's on a Saturday, you know, and they had the meeting on a Sunday. And so I decided we're going to find this church. I said, Randall, you know how to follow the Holy Ghost? He said, yes, Daddy. He said, you and Mama taught me. I said, well, you sit over there shotgun. And I said, help me hear the Holy Ghost. And Collinsville, of course, if you've been around there, you know, it's not Columbia, South Carolina. You know, but uh, it's got a few streets and roads that you can get lost on in there, especially it take you a long time to drive over every street in the town. I said, son, I just believe, let's just set our faith in agreement. We grabbed hands that the Holy Ghost is going to lead us right to this church, and we're going to know exactly where we need to go. So I grabbed hands, we prayed, and we started going down the road. The main road off of 169, we turned and went turned left. you got to exit off and turn left, it takes you up through there. We're going down through the road, you know, and, and he would say, Daddy, you think you ought to turn right here? I said, no, son, just hang on. I, I, I don't think, I don't sense in my spirit we need to turn. I've done this a lot as a traveling minister. I've had pastors give me directions backwards. Every time you're supposed to turn right, you're supposed to turn left. <laughs> Of course, your pastors didn't do that to me, you know. They brought me right in, thank God. But, uh, but you have to be led in the Spirit. And so we were going, I'd say, son, you think we ought to turn here? He said, no, Daddy, the Holy Ghost said, go straight. I said, okay. So we finally got down to stand on this road. We got down to what you call a, a three-way stop. You know, there's a road you can go this way, this way, or go that way. You can turn three ways here. And I said, Lord, what do we do? And I heard these words, straight and narrow is the way. I said, son, I got it. Honey, I got it. It's straight in there. It's straight ahead of us somewhere. I'm talking about patterning yourself after God by learning to be led of the Holy Ghost because that's where the glory is at. So here we are. And I took off straight. And then I saw a big building up there on my right, kind of off the road. And I said, this must be it. So I turned off of that road up towards that building. And my son spoke up. Randall said, no, daddy, you missed it. The Holy Ghost said, this ain't it. He said, it's right up the road, up yonder, two or three hundred yards. He's 13 years old. So my wife said, you better listen to your son. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I whirled around up there in the parking lot, and I went back out, got back on that road, went two or 300 yards, and guess what we saw? A glorious church fellowship. We pulled up in there, went and, you know, and tried to get in the building, knocking on the door, with no cars around. There wasn't nothing that said what time the service started. We didn't know, you know. And so I said, Lord, what do we do? He said, turn on 90.5. Turned it on. And Sister Billy Brim said, Join me at Glorious Church Fellowship at 10 o'clock in the morning. I said, we got it, boys. And I went there. And when we went to that meeting the next morning, it was packed out. It would seat about, I don't know, 150 if that much, maybe 125. It's not a real big auditorium. But anyway, it was packed out. I'm still talking about being led of God. When I walked in, I thought, oh, Lord, they were standing up out in the what we used to call the vestibule. What do you call it now? Same thing? Or what? Anyway, huh? Vestibule, he said it's all right. But it's anyway, y'all, that, that thing you got right back there. You know what I'm talking about? You, a lobby. Oh, excuse me. We have a loot here. You know, but uh, yeah, the lobby of the church. That's the word I'm looking for. 
He's been sharp tonight, hasn't he? I'll tell you, he's sharper than y'all give him credit for. But anyway, yeah, the lobby of the church there. But they used to call it vestibule in the assembly of God, you know, in the church of God. But anyway, uh, I went in there and there was people everywhere. I thought, oh, Lord, there's no seats. I stuck my head in and I mean, it's packed. People stand around the walls. And I walk, my wife said, what do we do? I said, just keep walking. God said, come. So I walked on in the door to the main auditorium, you know, having to just kind of step on people's feet to see where we're going to go. And all of a sudden, this lady said, well, Brother Randy Greer, what in the world are you doing here? I said, what are you doing here? It's a lady that I knew. said, what are you doing here? She said, well, believe it or not. She said, I'm the secretary of the church. I said, you are. She said, what can I help you with? Well, I said, how's a fella go about getting a seat in this place? She said, well, you can't. Unless you know me. She said, something told me that I needed three seats. He said, come right down here to the fourth row. And he said, I've been saving these seats for you, your son, and your wife. Come sit down. (laughs) She didn't know I was coming, but she was led by the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the glory of God was there. He made a way where there was no way. I'm here to tell you God can make a way in your life where there is no way. Where it looks like you can't come if you'll just keep walking. Being led by the Holy Ghost, He'll put you in the place you need to be in. And of course, uh, they went and told Sister Billy Brim that I was there. And of course, she'd come out and talk to my wife and I. She was glad to see me. You know, we'd uh, been acquainted over the years for Brother Hagin ministry and, and things like that. And then... She ministered and everything. And then, of course, that night she said, we're going to have your seats on the front row. I didn't ask them. That's what she said. I want you on the front row. I said, yes, ma'am. When she tells you to do something, just obey. Just do it. And so when I come in, I knew. And they had, uh, I knew Sister Rachel Tiffetiller was supposed to be there. But I looked around kind of disappointed because she wasn't. And I knew she was elderly, you know, now. Uh, but I sensed somehow Sister Rachel and Sister Billy the connection for us was between them two. Not that nobody else didn't have a connection, but it was a divine connection. We came there to get something. You know, get in the glory. You know what I'm talking about? That's what we come to do. And so I'm standing up there in the front row, and the service that night turned into a Holy Ghost service. And if you think I'm long-winded, Sister Billy, our service, I think, went three and a half to four hours. And Brother David Ingalls was there. He was up there playing. We talked. You know, I'm on the the road show with him every now and then, Nelson Pendergrass. Anybody ever heard him do the road show? And they said, we're sitting around the old kitchen table. That's not a kitchen table. It's a stool sitting in the studio, and they just knock on it. It's a wooden stool. They said, we're sitting around the old kitchen table. I said, y'all ought to quit a line. They had me on there. Of course, we were joking with them, you know. They my elders in the Lord many times over, and I highly respect them. But I was sitting on there one time with them, you know, doing some stuff, and I was just preaching away and sharing my testimony and sharing scriptures, sharing the wonderful things of God. And they had a commercial break right in the middle of it. Him and Nelson started selling cows. I said, my God, we're trying to get people saved, and you're trying to sell cows. He said, well, i got to get rid of that heifer out there. I said, but anyway, you know, my God, they're good people. They've been around for a while, but, but he was there. He was doing the praise and worship. Brother Nelson was there. And then it got packed out. They had people all sitting down in front. Uh, Brother Eller came, his wife. And, and, and I remember he, he's, he's older now. Is he still around, I guess? Yeah. But anyway, I, his wife goes around the church, but you don't see him often. So I think he's kind of, you know, down some. But anyway, they came and they brought them right down to the front. They had chairs sitting everywhere. 
and Sister Billy's ministering to people, and it's a Holy Ghost kind of service, you know. And she, she appointed uh, several people, quite a few, you know. So if the Holy Ghost gives you something, get up and give it. Pray for somebody or sing or whatever you want to do. And she got some, set some guidelines in order for it. She said, now if I didn't point you out, don't get up and say nothing unless you raise your hand. She said, because we don't want things to get out. She said, it's not, it's not that I don't trust you. She said, I don't know you. She said, I know the people that I talked about, and I know that they're not going to get this thing out of order and kill the Spirit. So anyway, I'm standing up there, and I kept sensing they got to pray for me. I've got to get something. And so finally, Sister Billy was standing up there. Brother David Ingalls was singing. And right at the end of his worship song that we were, we were singing all together, she said, Brother Randy, you and your wife come up here. She said, God told me He sent you here for a special purpose. She said, you're here to get an anointing. You're here to get a divine deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll pattern yourself after God by following the Holy Spirit and do what He says do, you'll be in the right place at the right time for divine miracles to take place in your life. Well, she called my wife and up and I started walking. I said, well, this is good in my spirit. I'm saying to myself, but I, I knew Sister Rachel was supposed to pray for us and they had brought her in, by the way, and set her in the back in a high wingback chair, comfortable chair, you know. Because she was elderly, which she wouldn't have to walk in and climb over seats and everything. And while I was walking, she said, nope, nope, that's not it. Sister Billy said, go back there to where Sister Rachel is, you and your wife, and kneel down. And then she started calling other people that was there, them saints of God. I'm talking about some of them saints had been around so long that I was almost an ain't. I'm talking about the kind that could still shout the buns down. I mean, they were there in this service. I mean, Bobby Pins went to flying there a couple of times. <laughs> because they were getting excited. Beloved, that's one of them old, old time dancers and shouters. But anyway, we went back there and knelt down, and Sister Rachel Tiefertiller, my Lord, she looked as frail, you know, looked like she'd break. She's so tiny, you know, but all of a sudden she'd never prayed for him. I'd seen her before, but I did not know her personally. But she grabbed my wife and I and shook us like a bulldog would a bone. And started praying another time. I thought, oh God, if she don't kill us, we're going to get something. <laughs> Brother, she was shaking us and carrying on and talking to us and praying in the Spirit. And Sister Billy come back, twirling around with her handkerchief in the air. Whee! You know, she said, folks, let me tell you how he got here. Said he was driving down the road and he was headed in another direction. Said the Holy Ghost spoke to him and told him to turn around and come back. She said, oh God. She said, it pays to obey God. Said if he hadn't have turned around and he hadn't have followed the Holy Ghost and he hadn't have come back, uh, he wouldn't have get this anointing that he's supposed to get tonight with Sister Rachel and I laying hands on him that's going to prepare him for his future. And of course, they laid hands on us. We're not going into the whole story, but the part is being led of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and they said, there's divine deposits being deposited in you and your wife that's just like you'd deposit money in a bank. And he said, when it's time to withdraw it, uh, it will come out. And you'll be able to take your place. Uh, and she even talked about, she said, you got it 90% right, but you got a 10% adjustment yet. There's changes and decisions that you've got to make. Well, we knew, she didn't know, but we knew it had relation to, not the only thing, but relation to us uh, moving to Oklahoma. So we went back, finally left there, you know, and went back home, and we started praying as a family. And we're saying, God, I'm still talking about patterning yourself after God. I'm going to shut up in a minute, I think. Or maybe an hour anyway. But anyway, we're going somewhere. I said there's three things. Well, we might not get to all three things tonight, unless you're going to be here for a while. 
You just have to come back tomorrow. That's all I can tell you. Brother Hagin said his summers were like boxcars. He never got through with them. He just unhooked and didn't hook back up when he came. Y'all remember how he done it? And, you know, following after him real close, sometimes we get that way ourselves. We'll start off on one thing and see where you could preach for two or three hours on it, but that's just what the Holy Ghost is emphasizing. You understand that. It's God ministering to all of us and bringing life to us along this line. It's something that I hadn't planned. It's something not that I didn't prepare myself. Certainly I did. I prayed, I sought God, but I prepared myself. But I remember we got back home. And I said, honey, I said, we've, got it. we've already talked about it, about moving back. And of course, you know, it was a somber time. We were wondering what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And, and so I said, let's, when we get home, I said, let's just call a solemn assembly. When you call a solemn assembly, you get the dogs. If you got them, if you got a cat, get it too. We have a... Uh, we got a Rottweiler locked in a Chihuahua's body. We do. We got a Rottweiler locked in a Chihuahua's body, and her name is Senorita Maria Greer. The name is bigger than the dog, but she's not scared of anything at all. She's just a, a little bitty Chihuahua, but she's a Rottweiler locked in a Chihuahua's body. Uh, she needs to be born again. You know what I'm talking about? I, she... She thinks she's a, she thinks she is a Rottweiler. She's not scared of anything or anybody or any dog, anything. I don't matter, you know. But anyway, we call her in. Senorita, sit. She sits down. I said, we're going to pray. Ears go like this, you know. I said, we're going to pray, and don't you be barking and disturbing us unless you bark in the Holy Ghost. Do you hear me? So I just said, sit there. I said, son, come on in here. I said, we're going to pray. We're in our family room. They call them a great room in Georgia, but it's a family room. And so we started praying. As we started praying in the Spirit and just worshiping and glorifying God, we was praying for one specific purpose, and this will help you. Sometimes you need to pray about one thing and one thing specifically until you get the answer, especially if it's something that's real important in your life. It's because if you don't watch it, sometimes you'll do a shotgun prayer. You know, and we used to go bird hunting, and some of the guys we went with had what they call scatter guns. That's where they saw the barrel off, and you couldn't tell where a bullet was going to go, so they just point them in the sky, and boom, 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 boom. In fact, we finally gave them the name of spray and pray shotguns. You spray the bullets in the sky and pray you get something, because it'd be a miracle if you did. It wasn't because you was a good aim. It's because you're just scattering so many bullets in the sky, you know. And so... Sometimes we scatter too many bullets in the sky. When you need a specific answer from God, go before Him specifically with that prayer request. Stay with it till you get it clear in your spirit. It's Like I said, if it's real important to you and you want an answer to it, God will answer you. And I'll tell you what takes us time to hear. It's not that God is short. Is that we sometimes are so cluttered with everything else that we hadn't got quiet enough in our spirit to hear Him. And so we just got in there. All we was praying about, Lord, do you want us to move to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma? You want us to relocate our home and relocate our offices and everything here? Do you want us to do it? And that's all. We weren't praying about the house, the where tos. We were starting to know if we were supposed to do it. So while we were praying, the Holy Ghost came in like a wind. My son's 13 years old. He's filled with the Holy Ghost from the time he was three. We didn't talk him into it. One day he was sitting on our sofa there at our home and he just burst out speaking in other tongues and laughing and crying. That was in our house, way before we moved to the house that we were in, what I'm talking about. 
He just sat there. We was in there worshiping God and just praying. He's over there playing with some toys and stuff. And, you know, just look at him every now and then. My wife and I was praying, and all of a sudden, he just burst out and started laughing and praying in tongues and crying tears of joy. And the Holy Ghost was in him. Well, in this room that day at 13 years old, we are praying about moving out there. All of a sudden, it was like a wind came in. I got drunk and staggered under the Holy Ghost. And I began to weep and cry. And I looked at my wife and she was doing the same thing. And Randall, what he done is he fell backwards across an ottoman. You know, prop your feet on. There in in our uh, family room, he fell backwards across it and grabbed his belly and he started laughing. Then he started crying. Then he would groan. Then he would laugh. And then he would cry. Well, many of you know the story about how he had which medical science calls birth defects, and it was doing his belly area because he's totally healed and has been for years. But his mama got concerned. You know how good mamas are. Got concerned that something's wrong with him the way he was groaning. And she come over there and says, uh, Is he all right? I said, Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost on him. And so she went around praying again, and he'd laugh and cry, and he'd groan in the spirit. I mean, he wasn't making this up. It was the Holy Ghost on him. And then she come over again. Is you sure he's all right? I, yeah, honey, just keep praying. He's going to be right. She'd go back to praying and worshiping God and laugh. And I'd laugh and Randall laugh. She said, she said, you better go check on my baby now. When mama says that, check on the baby. You know what I mean? So I went over to this 13-year-old baby. Hey, I've seen babies that weighed 300 pounds and was 60 years old. I ain't lying. They somehow mama's babies from now on for some reason. But, but I've seen them that big and mama hanging on to them. But I went over there, and I just kind of touched him. You know, he said, I said, son, I said, you all right? I was doing it for his mom. I said, yes, daddy. I said, well, what is it? He said, God's in my belly. I said, what's he saying to you? He said, we got to move, daddy. He said, we got to move. It's the plan of God. He said, you know, I was concerned about leaving my friends and everything I know here. He said, but God told me he's going to give me friends there, and everything's going to be all right. So I stood up, and my wife's crying. I said, honey, what do you say? She said, well, I said I'd never move, but said God told me to move. And I said, all right, I've got it too. I said, we're going to move. This is God. What are we doing? We're following the Holy Ghost. Now comes the how, when, and everything. So that was on a Thursday. So Friday... I got up, a Saturday morning, I got up early, about 4 o'clock in the morning. I started praying, just led to get out of bed at 4 o'clock. But I was praying and and, and sitting up in in a chair in that same room. And I was just saying, Lord, when, how, what do you want me to do? And while I'm sitting there praying, the word of the Lord came into me, and this is what he said. You will leave today and go back to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Your house and your office will be located east of uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, east of Ramah. And he said, you will find the place that I have for you there. So I went and told my wife. I said, honey, I know this sounds crazy. I said, but we got to load up the truck and move to Beverly. we got to go. I said, we got to go. Our house is out there. God said, do it. Remember, I'm being led of the Holy Ghost. I'm patterning myself after God, and the glory is going to be where I'm going. So we go out there. Of course, it takes us to the next day to get there, so we drove instead of flying our airplane. I drove out there because we knew we'd be looking at houses. We'd been on the Internet, researched, and... Finally, we realized we got to have some, a relative to help us because we don't have time to stay out here, you know. And so, because we got other things we got to do. So, anyway, to make a long story short, we found our home and our office. Our office is six and a half miles east of Ramah. Our home's about eight and a half miles east of Ramah. Now, I still got a house in Georgia, properties in Georgia. And while we was driving back, she said, Honey, what are we going to do with our house? She said, Most people, you know, you know, you know, the market's down and everything's down. She said, 
Most people, you know, are not buying houses like ours right now with five acres, you know, and, and stuff. I said, honey, I said, everything's all right. She said, how do you know? I said, because the Lord told me to call Mr. Moon, the contractor that bought our house, and I said, he's going to buy it back from us. Oh, he is? I said, yes, he is. She said, you sure? I said, yes. She said, call him. I said, no, it ain't time yet. I, I just said, I didn't have an unction in my spirit. I said, I'll call him. So when we got back home, I started out on the road, and the unction came. Call him right now. I called, got his sister on the phone at the office because he was busy or something, and I t- started telling her, uh, you know, I need to talk to him. I said, I think I'm going to be moving. She said, you hold on just a minute. It went long for Mike Moon, Boss Hogg, came on the phone. All right, Reverend Greer. He said, what can I do for you? I said, Mr. Moon, I said, I just want to let you know. I said, I'm, I'm fixing to move back to where I went to Bible school back years ago. And I'm relocating and I'm selling my house and I thought you might be interested in it. He said, I sure am. He said, you want me to come over there right now? I said, uh, no, sir, I'm out on the road preaching. I said, uh, I'm going to be home Saturday. He said, I'll be at your house 10 o'clock Saturday morning. He gave me the asking price. I asked for my house, signed the contract, and I had to move so fast. It'd make your head spin, as we say in the country. But see, if I hadn't listened to the Lord six years earlier, we would have been stuck almost in the house. God knows your future. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you the glory of God is in number one, Pattern yourself after God. Learn to be led of the Holy Spirit because where the Holy Spirit is moving, I'll guarantee you He's going to work in your life. Be specific in your prayer life. When you've got a specific need, a special need, a need, a pressing need, don't pray for Russia, China, Czechoslovakia and everything in the world. Get serious about that one need and be specific and pray and God will show up. And listen, He'll give you the answer. It may take you a little while to hear. But God is trying to communicate to you an answer. He wants you to live in God's glory. So, in order to, for the sake of time, we'll just have to unhook tonight. And for the rest of the story, you'll have to either get the CDs or tapes or come back tomorrow. That's all I can tell you. Don't make me come hunting you either. But I'm here to tell you, was you encouraged tonight? Yes. Was you edified tonight? Why? Because the Holy Ghost talked to us. And showed us some things. Encourage. I even encourage myself. My Lord, it makes me want to go pray. I don't know about you. Makes me want to seek God because I know that He'll show up in our behalf. But I know that God has a plan for all of us and He wants us to live in His glory. Living in the glory, number one, is patterning yourself after God by learning, A, under that, to be led of the Holy Spirit. Because He'll lead you into places that in the natural mind, it don't look like where you should go. For instance, we bought that house. It seemed like that we shouldn't buy. But in the end, if we had not bought that house, and by the way, that one house increased over 1,500% in value. 1,500% in value of what I paid for it when I sold it. Woo! Excuse me. Woo! <laughs> But if I'd have bought the other house, you know what it went down? It went down in value. But because I bought that one, it increased in value. But I didn't know that. It wasn't because I was the big businessman. It was I was just following the Holy Ghost, blindly stumbling along. Just saying, this is what God said do. I didn't realize at the end that we was going to need all that extra equity, money, you know, not only to buy another house, but relocate my offices. You know, it cost me almost $100,000 to 
to move and relocate from, from, and I ain't talking about buying a house or nothing, from Columbus, Georgia to Broken Air, Oklahoma. I had to get everything changed, everything, new equipment, just all kind of stuff for our office, get another office, just all kind of stuff. But do you know, God already knew all that. God got us ready for that. Follow the Spirit of God. Pattern yourself after God. God will put you in the place you need to be in. Go after God with everything in you because He's got a plan. What was the title of our sermon tonight? Three things. How many things have you got? (laughs) One and a half. We got one and a half. My sister's giving me a little credit. I got one and a half. One and a little bit there. What, sir? 1.1. Our brother right here says 1.1. But above all that, you was ministered to, I was ministered to by the Holy Ghost. Life came. It made me aware, it made you aware that God can lead you to where the glory's at for you in your life every time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the holy written word of God. We thank you. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227, Owasso, Oklahoma 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.